All right, good to good to be here this morning, as we've already said. Uh, assuming everybody's heart's free, uh, I'm ready to turn my attention to the Lord. I want to take my lesson this morning from the book of Matthew, staying in the book of Matthew, but jumping over uh, this time into the 12th chapter, 12th chapter of the book of Matthew. And uh, and this is going to be something very interesting today. Uh, at least I find it very interesting. And uh, as we're here gathered uh, here this uh, this first day of the week, uh, this Sunday, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's the day that we set aside for the worship of the Lord. Uh, it's the day that he resurrected, the first day of the week. And, uh, and so we know, though, by studying the Bible, uh, that the Old Covenant Sabbath was the seventh day of the week, or, or what we call Saturday. And, uh, and in that, uh, you have a lot of people who run into trouble. <laughs> they get tripped up because they get into scripture and they and they uh, and they want to they want to they're honest. They they're very honest. They're very they're 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 very uh, their integrity is very much in place uh, in terms of they're trying to get it right. And I've run into so many recently that run into this issue. And they say, well, if we are the children of God, shouldn't we, by necessity, be meeting on the seventh day? Because that's the set, that's the day that he blessed. And, and they go back to the, the, the account we have given in creation uh, of the seventh day that God Rested, and that word that that, that is, is used there, what it means is God ceased. God ceased from all of His works on the seventh day, and He blessed it. Let's get into our lesson text, starting with the first verse of Matthew chapter twelve. At that time, Jesus went on the Sabbath day through the corn, and His disciples were and hungered. And began to pluck the ears of corn and to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said unto him, Behold, thy disciples do that which is not lawful to do upon the Sabbath day. But he said unto them, Have you not read what David, what David did when he was in hunger? And how that they or how they that were with him, how he entered into the house of God and did eat the showbread, which was not lawful for him to eat. Neither for them which were, neither neither for them which were with him, but only for the priests. Or have you not read in the law how that on the Sabbath days the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are blameless? But I say unto you that in this place there is one greater than the temple. But if ye had known what this meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Ye would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath day. And when he was departed thence, he went into their synagogue. 
And behold, there was, uh, there was a man which had his hand withered. And they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? And he said unto them, What man shall there be among you that shall not have one sheep? And if it fall into a pit on the Sabbath day, will he not lay hold on it and lift it out? How much then is a man better than sheep? Wherefore it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath days. Then saith he to the man, Stretch forth thine hand. And he stretched it forth, and it was restored whole like as the other. Then the Pharisees went out and held a council against him how they might destroy him. And that's where I want to stop today. That's the first 14th verses of the 12th chapter of the book of Matthew. And... uh, and, and, and let's get into this uh, a little bit. And, and, our, and I guess our title is going to be um, The Sabbath, The Sabbath, When and What Can You, when, when Do We Observe It and Why and What Can We Do? <laughs> What's Permitted? Uh, and, and because that's that's the thing. Now I, I touched a couple weeks back on the Pharisees, right? On the Pharisees' condemnation of Jesus because he would sit and he would eat with publicans and sinners, uh, and and pointed out how that they condemned Jesus and called him a gluttonous drunkard or a glutton and a wine bibber, uh, and, and because he did eat and drink. Uh, but then on the other hand, they called John the Baptist. Uh, they said that he hath a devil, but he didn't eat and drink. Uh, but they were making the point with Jesus because he did eat and drink. What the real issue was, was because both John the Baptist and Jesus Christ rejected them. John the Baptist said to them, if we remember correctly, and we, and we can go back and read it, but I don't think it's necessary, when they came to his baptism there in the wilderness, he looked at them and said, O oh, ye generation of vipers, who hath warned you, warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And Jesus said that very same thing. So it wasn't so much that they had an issue with the fact that Jesus was eating and drinking. It was the fact that he disagreed with them and rejected their teachings is why they did not like him. Same thing. Different day. (laughs) Same thing. Different day. And so we look here, and the 12th chapter of Matthew opens up with Jesus, and it's the Sabbath day, and he's walking through a field with his disciples, and they're hungry, and so they start breaking off. It says corn, but, I mean, it's wheat, right? It wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been what we generally think of as corn, because that's native to North America. Uh, but, uh, uh, but he's walking through the field, and they start breaking off things to eat. Uh, and, uh, and, and they're spotted doing this thing. And as is their custom. And, and now I want to say this this morning as missionary Baptists. Here's how you can, here's how in my opinion, one of the, this is one of the ways that you can spot somebody who really doesn't believe in 
God, who's not been saved. And they may, they may be like the church at Sardis that we read about this morning, that they may have a name that they're saved, but they're dead. That is, I had a conversation with the guy. He was, he, they were having, they were having this conversation over the sixth chapter of Hebrews, and and I looked at him and I said, "Look, this is really simple. The sixth chapter of Hebrews is talking about somebody who has made a profession that they've been saved, but they have gotten into actually walking the walk and found that they would much rather prefer their old life, and so they leave it behind and they go off and they do something else." Now, you don't have to agree with me in this, but this is the way I see this thing playing out. And so for that person who had walked that rock and been in that path, he really never was. I think John's correct when he says they went, they, they, they went out from us because they were not of us. They were never saved. Um, they sat and they tasted the good word of God. They sat under the teachings of that. Uh, they got a, uh, but they never, ever, ever, ever were ever made whole. Never were they made whole. If they'd been made whole, then then, then what what there was to offer in the old life would not have been alluring enough that they would have wholehearted. They may have sinned, but but they would have never walked away from it in its entirety. Them to renew again would require of necessity putting Jesus to an open shame. The Pharisees are a really good in representation of this. Jesus said it the best, and this is one of the ways I believe you can really point it out. Now, there are people who have genuine beliefs, and they're honest in what they're trying to do. Uh, they, they look and they read the Bible, and, and instead of finding freedom, they find chains. I've got to do this. I, I've, I, I spoke of this last week and I called it checkbox salvation. When you go back to the, the works of the law and you say, well, if I'm a child of God, I've got to do this. This is very prevalent in our society today. And, and this is why I want us to know that if I'm, if I'm a child of God, I do this. And I do this. Now, a lot of those are easy, right? Thou shalt have only one God. Thou shalt have no one above me. Thou shalt not worship a graven image. Uh, thou shalt, I'm, I'm not going to touch on all the Ten Commandments, but I'm just going to touch on a few. Uh, thou shalt remember the Sabbath and keep it, right? That's the one. Uh, thou shalt not murder. Thou shalt honor thy father and thy mother, and, and on and on and on. And, and I'm not going to go through them all, but that one there that's mentioned, thou shalt keep the Sabbath day. This is what we're going to talk about. But Jesus pointed these people out, and the, he, the best thing he ever said about them was, you'll strain, you'll, you'll, you'll strain at a gnat and swallow a camel. Now, we know that's not literally possible, although every time a gnat's flown in my mouth, it's made me strain. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm not going I don't have the ability to swallow a camel. And he's not talking about it literally. He's talking about the teachings that Jesus was he's talking about the teachings that he had brought into the world that they would swallow the camels that they that they put forth 
but the very simple teachings that he had, they rejected. So here you have Jesus walking on the Sabbath day. They, they take issue with him and they say, you are in violation of the law of the Sabbath. Now, he's on the seventh day here. I want you to know that. This is the seventh day, and, and he's in violation of the law of the Sabbath. One of the things that I really enjoy about this passage of Scripture here is Jesus does not exert his deity. He doesn't, he doesn't start arguing with them Right? What he does is he challenges them upon the very basis of the thing that they declare to be the experts of. And not only that, he challenges them in that manner on something that they themselves have to acknowledge is recorded in the law that is a violation of the law. Right? So the first thing he points out is David and those that were with David entering in on the Sabbath day and eating the showbread, which was set apart for a week at a time, and it would be consumed by the priests, and it was representative of all of Israel, sanctified and consecrated unto God, and it's also representative of the body of Christ. He is the bread, the body. We are the body, aren't we? We're represented in those loaves that laid on that table. The body of Christ. This is my body which is broken for you. And so David enters in and he eats the showbread. He's not allowed to do that. <laughs> but you notice God never reprimanded David for it, did he? I can't find anywhere in Scripture where God reprimanded David for that. Next, the next instance that he points out is how the priests themselves don't keep the Sabbath. You know, you're going to accuse me of not keeping the Sabbath? You guys were the one who stood at the foot of Mount Sinai and made the statement, All that thou hast said we shall observe and do. But they had to be taken into captivity for 70 years for the land to have her Sabbaths, right? Okay, let's, let's, let's take that one for granted, right? Let's take those two for granted. How about if the Lord himself broke the Sabbath? Because that's the accusation, isn't it? The accusation is that the God broke the Sabbath. God gave them the law at Mount Sinai. Moses, who is the author of the Pentateuch, right? The first five books of the Bible, the Torah. Moses is the author of it. He's the one who God gave the law to. We're going a little line on line, precept upon precept here this morning. So it may, it, this may not be one that, that really 
float your boat, but I hope it is. What if God said, here's what I want you to do. After having given the children of Israel the law, what if he said, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go, and on the Sabbath day, I want you to attack that city, and I want you to utterly destroy it because they're my enemies. After God's given the law to the children of Israel, would that be considered breaking the Sabbath? It's not, and I'm going to tell you why. Joshua chapter 6. Joshua chapter 6. Ye shall compass the city, this is Jericho, when God had sent the children of Israel in to conquer the land that he had promised to Abraham and to Isaac and to Jacob, right? He's sending them in to conquer Canaan, uh, to possess the land. Uh, and here we go, uh, Joshua chapter 6, uh, we're starting in verse 3 here. He says, and this is the... the Actually, let's back up to two. And the Lord said unto Joshua, See, I have given unto thine hand Jericho. It's yours. All you have to do now is go possess it. He had given them the blueprints for how they were going to carry out the battle. He had told them everything that they were going to do. So listen, he's giving him the instructions right now. Uh, before this event happened, they had observed the Passover and then the following Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, you don't really hear those things mentioned separately uh, in the New Testament because when you read Passover, it generally means eight days, not one. Because they just lumped them all in together. So they had observed the Passover. Eight days they had observed the Passover. Joshua's out walking uh, out, outside of Jericho. He, the angel of the Lord comes to him, and it says, And the Lord said, I'd say through the angel probably, but God, just Jesus is talking in my opinion. Uh, not my opinion, that's what the Bible says. L-O-R-D, all capital letters. This is Jehovah speaking to Joshua. It says unto the Joshua, it says, I see I have given into thine hand Jericho. And the king thereof and the mighty men of valor. Here's the, here's the blueprint for the battle. Ye shall compass the city, all ye men of war, and go around the city once. Thus shalt thou do six days. The first day that they walked around that city would have been the first day of the week. The last time that they walked around that city one time would have been the sixth day of the week. What does he tell them to do on the seventh day? And, and seven priests shall bear before the ark of seven trumpets of, of ram's horns. And the seventh day, the seventh day, the Sabbath day, that's right, that's what day that is. On the Sabbath day, the seventh day, this is what you will do. You shall compass the city seven times. And the priests shall blow the trumpets. And it shall come to pass that when they make a long blast with a ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, all the people shall shout with a great shout, and the wall of the city shall fall down flat. And 
and the people shall ascend up straight before him. That's the blueprint, isn't it? That on the Sabbath day, that's the day you're going to you're going to go and conquer Jericho. You're going to wage war on the Sabbath. Now, if you go back to when the law was given, you will not find anywhere in there that it was lawful not only not to pick an ear of corn on the Sabbath day, but it sure wasn't lawful to wage war on the Sabbath day, was it? How do you reconcile, how do you reconcile that? How do you say, man, this is a problem. How do we make sense out of that? Jesus said in the 7th verse of the 12th chapter of Matthew as it is recorded, but if ye had known what that meaneth, what's he seen? In the 6th verse, there's one greater than the temple. There's one greater than the temple here. If you'd known what that meaneth, I will have mercy and not sacrifice. Now, that's the second time in a couple weeks we've touched on that verse, only it's been in different places. Jesus has used that verse multiple times here uh, as it's recorded in the book of Matthew. We go over to the book of Hosea, and that's where it's recorded. Sixth chapter of the book of Hosea is where he's quoting, and he's saying this, For I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. Now, if you're here today and you're lost, you better understand one thing. That the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Not knowledge of the world, knowledge of God. How can you know Him if you really have never Come into contact with Him. And if you've come into contact with Him, how have you not feared Him? Because the Bible tells us that it is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. I remember when I was lost, I was afraid to go to sleep. I couldn't sleep because of it. And not only that, uh, but before I got saved, every Sunday before I got saved, Amy would call me and say, Hey, are you going to be at church today? And I'd be like, Unfortunately, I will. Because <laughs> I loved her. <laughs> I still do, even though I think she would refute that sometimes. <laughs> I desire mercy and not sacrifice. And the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. My friend, the knowledge of God, that brings you into wholeness, doesn't it? That makes you whole. Listen to this. This is, this is, get good. This is going to get good. How about this? How about I ask it this way? Was the, Lord, was the Sabbath made for the Lord, or did Lord make the Sabbath? <laughs> I believe it's that latter point, isn't it? Listen to what he says in the 8th verse. For the Son of Man is Lord 
even of the Sabbath day. <laughs> even of the Sabbath day. But now there's this point to be made here as it pertains to the Sabbath day and to kind of reconcile all this and bring it into a, a, a roundness of uh, a knowledge so that we can grasp it and understand it. But we, but we meet on the first day and that was what the pagans did. Absolutely. The reason it's called Sunday is because that was the day they worshipped the sun. That's, that's undeniable. If you come into contact with a Seventh-day Adventist or a Jehovah's Witness and you try to argue that point, you are going to lose. It was. But it wasn't to the Jews. It was nothing more than the first day of the week. We don't assemble on... Well, it's... Yeah, it's called Sunday because it is on our calendar. We assemble on the first day of the week. We assemble on the day of the week, which we just recognized was the greatest day in the history of man. The day that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the grave was the first day of the week. Now Jesus, as he hung on the cross, uh, he said this, didn't he? Three words, it is Finished. Now, he says it is finished. If we go back uh, and we look at the account, the biblical account of creation, Genesis chapter 1, and, and we try to wrap all this together, uh, God takes uh, the God, uh, chapter 2, chapter 2, verse 1, Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them, and the seventh day, and on the seventh day, listen to what, listen to what it says, God ended his work. What did Jesus say hanging on the cross? It's finished. It's finished. See, all those things that were in the law, they all pointed to one man. Every Sabbath observance pointed to one man. It pointed to the King of Kings. It pointed to the Lord of Lords. It pointed to the only begotten Son of God. It pointed to Jesus Christ. If you try to make the argument based upon the old vernacular, you'll lose. Because it says that he rested the seventh day from all his work, and God blessed the seventh day. That's where they get hung up, isn't it? Let's go over here just for a moment to the book of Hebrews, uh, and we're going to, I'm not going to say close yet, but we're going to try to get a little more uh, explanatory into what we mean here. Book of Hebrews chapter 4, um, and uh, I'll get there eventually. Um, Starting to think uh, it's like the old days when I wasn't that familiar with the Bible and uh, I, my book just didn't have it. But uh, well, there it is, Hebrews chapter 4. And so uh, uh, we see here uh, where, uh, where it's talking about. It says, for we, this is in the third verse, for we which we believe do enter into rest uh, as he said. Uh, and I have sworn in my wrath if they shall enter into my rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. The works of what? The works of the redemption of fallen man, isn't it? The works were finished 
from the foundation of the world. For he spake in a certain place of the seventh day on this wise, and God did rest the seventh day from all his works. And in this place again, if they shall enter into my rest, Jesus said, if any man be burdened or heavy laden, let him come unto me, and I will give him what? Rest. Rest to what? Rest to his soul. Rest to his soul. Seeing therefore it remaineth that some must enter therein, and they whom it was first preached entered not in because of unbelief. That's the Jews. They didn't enter in because of unbelief. Why? Because they strained at a gnat and they swallowed a camel. They worship the Sabbath day, not the Lord of the Sabbath day. They worship the temple, not the one who sanctified the temple. They worship the gold on the altar, not the altar that sanctified the gold. And we're here this morning to worship the one that sanctifies uh, us uh, entirely, isn't it? He's, it's his work that sanctifies us inwardly when we get saved. It's going to be at his command that the bodies of the grave will rise. And they won't rise in that corrupted state that they're in. They're going to rise gloriously sanctified at the commandment of the Lord, aren't they? John said, all I know is this, that we're going to be like him. (laughs) Right? We're going to be like him. We're going to be like Jesus. And so here we have Jesus saying, I'm the Lord of the Sabbath day. And the works that are done, I did them. For your redemption, Jesus did the work. You can't do it. The Pharisees were arguing, you got to do the work. And people, people take the Bible and they are not, a lot of them are not misled. Well, they're misled, but a lot of them are very sincere in their study. And they say, but it says. Yes, it says. Because Moses knew that to the Jews was given the law and keeping the rituals that were contained in the law. And so the emphasis is made so that they might not cease from keeping the law. But the law, what is the law? What is the law? Paul writes about it. Galatians chapter, I believe it's chapter 3, the law is our schoolmaster and to bring us to what? To bring us to Christ. That's the work of the law. The law's intention always was the word that is translated the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue, right? 
is, is basically a set of directions. God pointing you how to get to Him. Uh, because it's because of man's sin that we lost paradise, isn't it? And it's because of God's work that paradise is regained. Not anything, not of works that we can do, not, lest, any, for, for the, lest any man should boast. By grace alone are we saved. So we're here on the first day, um, and we say, well, yeah, but, but isn't this a violation? No, because Jesus has the ability to do with the Sabbath as he pleases. That's what people don't understand. And in that, in that, Paul says this. Let's touch on the law here real quick. In chapter 3 of the book of Romans, verse 1, What advantage hath the Jew, or what profit is there of the circumcision? Much every way, chiefly because unto them were committed the oracles of God. In other words, the law was committed to them so that they stood out from all the other nations of the world to a point that there is one true way. Every other nation of the world had their own system of religion. And you can argue that the Jews' system was their own system of religion, but they didn't get it from a man. <laughs> they got it from God. Written by the hand of God. Written by the finger of God. And so Paul goes on. He goes on. I want to I want to go to the book of Colossians. And I'm going to finish up here. The book of Colossians. Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2 verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus who sometimes who who ye, who ye who were, who sometimes were afar off, right? That's everybody else. You didn't know the Lord. You were far off or made nigh by the blood of Christ. For he is our peace, who hath made both one, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between us, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, even the law of the commandments contained in the ordinances, for the for to make in himself of twain one new man. In so doing, making peace. Not just any peace, but a peace that is unspeakable and full of glory. When the wolf lies down with the lamb, that's what he did there in the, in the construct of the church. When he did what he did, he made a way so that there's no difference between the Jew or the Greek or the Gentile. All of sin comes short of the glory of God, and and there's only one way to make up for that sin because it's not because without blood there is no remission. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. And so here, Jesus has made a way. I want to go back and I want to touch on the sixth chapter of Hosea. Jesus has made a way for us to get back, hasn't he? 
He's made a way for us to get back uh, as we go over here back to the 6th chapter of Hosea. Uh, I lost my marker there. Uh, but listen to what the first verse of the 6th chapter of Hosea says. Remember, in the 6th verse, he said, I will have mercy, right? For I desire mercy and not sacrifice and the knowledge of God more than burnt offerings. First verse says this. This is what we're expected to do. And when we do that, we're in Christ, aren't we? And if any man be in me, he is a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Come, let us return unto the Lord. This was Hosea the prophet crying out to the northern kingdom of Israel, wasn't he? Not just the northern kingdom of Israel, but all of Israel, Israel, Ephraim, and Judah, as he says in the fourth. But listen, come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn, he hath torn, and he will heal us. (laughs) He will heal us. Then he departed thence, and he went into their synagogue which would have been on the Sabbath. And behold, there was a man that had his hand withered, and they asked him, saying, Is it lawful to heal on the Sabbath days that they might accuse him? You can get saved any day of the week. There is not a day on the calendar that Jesus does not have the the ability to make one whole anymore. It was that day was set aside, uh, and they said, "Any, you can't do anything on that day." Now I know that we we don't want to do secular things, but I mean, let's be honest, folks. I mean. I don't care if you keep it on Saturday, you keep it on Sunday. I, th- I don't think it matters anymore because that's what John, that's what Paul says. Paul says, Paul says, I believe uh, it was in a book of Ephesians, but but Paul touches on the fact that it's that's gone, <laughs> it's done away with. I don't think the day doesn't matter anymore, really. You just need to. Keep the Sabbath, right? Pick one day and, and and have that day stand out as a day that you go and worship the Lord. Do you know that when you got up this morning and you got ready, uh, and, and if you live in an area where anybody can see you leave at all, maybe they were out washing their car, mowing their lawn, doing anything like that, and they see you get in your car and leave... And go to church. Kind of talking about what we talked about this morning. You made a statement. (laughs) Didn't you? You made a statement that said, It is important that I go and worship God. Everything else can wait. The problem is we treated it as if it's only for two hours and the day's 24 hours long. 
Listen to what Jesus said about the Sabbath day. Wherefore, it is lawful to do well on the Sabbath day. Not to serve yourself. Jesus wasn't serving himself here, was he? He was rendering the agape love of God to somebody who was in need. A man with a withered hand. And he healed him and made it whole. Listen to what I'm going to close with this. The sixth chapter of Hosea. Uh, he, hath, he hath torn and he'll heal us. He hath smitten and he will bind us up. Don't you know that's what Jesus was sent to do? Was to bind up the hearts of the brokenhearted? Are you here this morning and you have a broken heart? The question is, what are you going to do with it? Who can take care of it? We have a whole we have a whole nation uh, with people that are brokenhearted, and the question is, what are you going to do to remedy it? Well, people are trying to fill themselves up with the world to remedy it, aren't they? But guess what? The world's empty. Jesus Christ is the only one who can fill a fill you up to the point of overflowing. And it doesn't just happen one time. It is a lifetime of overflowing. And we supplement that initial knowledge with the knowledge of the Scriptures so that everywhere we go, just as they did in the book of Acts as we talked about this morning, so that everywhere we go, we can engage in conversations. And in during that conversation, maybe God will allow us to get to a place where we can say, well, have you been saved? <laughs> Or maybe he'll give us the boldness. To take the doors off the hinges. And like they used to do, you know, back in the day when they hung the triangle on the porch, when they'd all be out working the ranch or whatever. Maybe I've watched too many old westerns. I'm not sure if that was really true or not, but I really like the image of it. They would go out and ring the triangle and tell them to come on in because supper's ready. Jesus is the bread, isn't he? And he's the wine. Come in and feast on the Lord. After two days, he'll revive us in the third day. <laughs> after two days, he'll revive us, and after the third day, he'll raise us up. <laughs> Why? Not because of what I've done, but because I'm in him. <laughs> and we shall live in his sight because he is the life, isn't he? He's the life. If I ever die, and, and whoever, and, and if Amy's already passed away, Lord willing, that's not happened. Uh, and and if my daughters are the only ones around, and, and I pass away, which I, I'm firmly, I believe that, I like the way Brad Paisley put it in the song. Said, of course, the man goes first because the woman's not ready. <laughs> that's what he said, wasn't it? <laughs> he said, that's all right though, because. I like waiting on a woman. <laughs> Maybe you've not heard that song. <laughs> I know Rick has. That's why I did it. He said, but it's all right. I like waiting on a woman. 
I'll find me a bitch and I'll wait. <laughs> you know, I'll wait for her there, but I won't know her there like I know her here. On the third day, he'll raise us up in his sight. Man, Jesus is the Sabbath. Can I just say that? I really view it that way. Jesus is the Sabbath. He is the Sabbath. We're here worshiping the creator of the Sabbath. Amen. Don't tell me what you do. Tell me who you know. That's what I want to know. Don't tell me that you follow a book of rules, uh, but tell me who you know. The agape love of God exemplified in the man with the withered hand. God, God freely gives, doesn't he? And that word means he doesn't ever expect you to give him anything in return. That, I, I couldn't believe you said that this morning, Brother Carter. That was, that was in my message today. But I appreciate you for going there before I did. We worship today, the first day, because that's the day that you came out of the tomb. That's the day that he that he raised us up. That's my message this morning. I'm sure there were faults and flaws and there always are whenever you get into preaching a sermon but I hope you got a blessing out of it if you're here today and you're lost I hope you will seek the one in whom there is life and I said if Amy's gone before I die and my girls are left and any of this is probably more to Casey and, and them and and I and 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 and, and they're the only ones left. I said, you better make sure that they get somebody that gets up and preaches my life. And it isn't the things I did. It's who I knew. I'm going to close with that. That was awesome, Jackson. While we stand and have a song.